Hey there, PDX Real Estate Podcast listeners. Before we get into today's show, I've got a real quick announcement for you, and that is that my company, TTM, is still looking to buy fixers and teardowns all over the Portland metro area, even in this post-corona economy that we have going on right now. So if you have anything that comes across your desk that may not fit the retail market, we'd love to hear from you. All you got to do is go to our website, which is ttmdevelopmentcompany.com. There's a contact us tab, fill out the information, submit it to us, and we'll give you a call. Or if you'd like to, just call us at the office, 503-224-6200, and we'd love to chat with you about the property. Now, let's get into the show. This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihew from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Portland Real Estate Podcast. It's Friday. Happy Friday. We, uh, we apologize we weren't with you guys last week um, live. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties, but I called up the Zucks on his cell phone. I said, hey, man, fix this stuff so we can get there this week. And so here we are. We're live. So uh, I want to welcome my co-host before we get into our guests. What's up, Steve-O? What's up, Joe? Hey. hey yeah. We apologize to everyone. It wasn't our fault. We promise. Um, we had every intention last week of being live. And, and for those of you that tuned in and were disappointed, we, we do apologize. Um, let me give you Mark Zuckerberg's cell number. It's 312. <laughs> so yeah, we have an amazing guest. Um, we are very honored to have with us Sarita Dua. She's a, she's a rock star agent here in our, uh, in our market, Portland Metro. You are like Emily Hetrick. We had her on the show last week, last week, Sarita. I know you know her um, mostly the way I know her, where we see each other when we're thousands of miles away from home at some <laughs> type of Zillow conference. And uh, that's, that's how I've gotten to know you over the years. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I also yeah. love the salt and pepper that we're all sporting due to COVID stay at home. That's Not right. you, Tucker, but the three uh, of us for oh, sure. If, if I don't cut my hair, yes, it gets very salt and peppery thanks to two little kids. So, yeah. <laughs> Sarita, tell us about yourself. Um, I, I really, truly don't know a ton about you. I know you've been around for, for a long time in real estate. When did you get into the business and what did you do before? Sure. Yeah, some fun facts, I guess, that people didn't know about me. I uh, got my license in 03, and I started in 04 in real estate, so 16th, kind of going 16th to 17th year now in real estate. Prior to real estate, though, I had a kind of a full career in tech, sales and marketing. I was, uh, I got my bachelor's degree in electrical engineering, and I was in sales and marketing for Intel, never in Oregon, but it's actually what brought me to Portland, because I had come here to Portland all the time for Intel, and when my husband had an opportunity to interview for Nike in Oregon, I'm like, you have to go check out Oregon. It's great. I go there all the time. So seven years at Intel, seven years at tech startups and loved it. And I didn't, you know, I wasn't unhappy with tech. I wasn't sort of disillusioned or anything. I just had two little kids and my husband and I were playing rock, paper, scissors. Anytime we each had a business trip at the same time. And at some point something had to give. So I started when my little ones were like two and four and now they're 19 and almost 21. And it's been a great, great segue because in account management and sales and tech market, but actually I just, all I was going to finish with that is tech 
sales and marketing was people and project management. And that's exactly, honestly, what real estate is. It's, it's people, it's telling them what's going to happen, what just happened, what's going, what's happening now, what's going to happen next, setting expectations. So it was actually a really good segue to uh, real estate. And so I've been doing it for 16 years and a couple of key highlights now is I just finished up an executive MBA at MIT the last 20 months. I graduated in May. And wow. congratulations. That's a nice. That's a good school. Yeah, it was. Is that where you went to college? No, I didn't. I went to a small school in Michigan. I actually had an MBA from BU and I decided, you know, to to be stupid at age 50 and do it again. Um, (laughs) And so I was commuting to Boston every two or three weekends for weekend classes. And the cool thing, at least for me, is the minute you stop learning, you start dying. So it's just really fun to just learn without any intention of changing anything, but just growth. There was a bunch of stuff like platform strategy and big data and machine learning. I just didn't know what any of it was about. So it was a great way to go back and learn learn some things. Yeah. Did you start at KW right, right out of the gate? I didn't. I was at Hassan for okay. six or seven years and then Realty Trust in the oh, Pearl, wow. okay. and then KW since 2010. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and tell us a little bit about, um, you know, recent times. How's, how's, how's the last year been for you through some of the craziness? The, the first, the, the COVID, you know, shockwave that dropped all our business and then the tidal wave that came after it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's been very interesting, right? Um, I've been very lucky. I mean, I do believe the harder we look, the harder we work, the luckier we do get. But I've, I've built a referral-based business that I'm proud of. And so, you know, from the very beginning, B&I and, and you know, the chamber and just and going to different networking events. So that's sort of how I've built my business. And then when COVID hit, well, I'll be honest, for the last 20 months with this program, I'd set expectations for myself that, Hey, I don't really, every year it was always like, what's your production and what's your goal next year? And I, I didn't get too caught up in how much I sell, sold. It was how many families do I help? And can I help more and more families while taking more and more time off? So that was my gamification, which was, I love to travel. I love to take time off. I don't believe in hitting a certain age and retiring. I, I believe in just doing all the things you want to do when you do them because you never know about later. So I knew for 20 months with school that my production would be lower, but it was kind of that MasterCard opportunity, right? The hot dogs and the ticket prices and then that priceless opportunity that there'll be plenty of time later. So I had prepared myself for kind of lower production the last couple of years. Then COVID hit. And to me, I mean, there was no playbook for this pandemic. I wasn't in real estate at 9-11. I, you know, it just was a whole different game. And I think there were some people that were like, let's just put our, you know, cover over our heads and like wait for this thing to pass. It felt like a vacation at the beginning of like, wow, I get to watch Netflix and we're all home and the kids are home. And and for me, it was an opportunity, like school actually got cut in the sense that we weren't traveling anymore. I was, I was Zooming for school and it was a real great way for me to just touch base with my people again. Like I was always busy. I've always felt like after this, then I'll connect better. And now all of a sudden I had the opportunity to just check, check in with people and connect March and April off. Right. I mean, everyone put the brakes on. I mean, we didn't, we went from not knowing what PPE was or having masks to like, this is the new normal. And I think just we have to constantly adapt as well as you can ask your clients how they're doing. You can ask your team how they're doing. 
the answer was different at the beginning than it would have been even a month later or two months later. And you have to kind of keep asking. So like everyone, you know, I, my April was rough. I didn't know, you know, what was going to happen and just was trying to make the best of it. And then I don't come Memorial Day. I felt like I just couldn't breathe. I really do believe in making hay when the sun shines and just the number of multiple offers on the buy side, as well as the list side. Uh, I'm fortunate. I feel like that, um, I think all of us masters that are good agents and pride ourselves on the skills of the craft, it's been an opportunity to actually sharpen our saw and why we're putting deals together and why we're all winning is honestly communication mm -hmm. with other agents and creativity, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, I think there isn't the, you know, like, let's say you're a door knocker. Well, you can't door knock or let's say you're, you know, you're just whatever your lead generation Lever open yeah. houses. Yeah. You just, a lot of those you things. Pivot. Are yeah. You pivot yeah. and you figure it out. And the sort of contactless listing appointment, that was like great for us because I was doing that from Boston anyway, sort of secretly, right? Like I'll talk to you at 8 PM. That's 11 PM when I was at school. Now it's like, Hey, I can, I can wait, meet you Wednesday in your driveway, or we can, I'm having dinner. I can jump on at eight o'clock for 30 minutes after if you're free. It's just been like, really for me kind of fluid you work all the time but you're transparent about who you are and the things you have going on so i'm really enjoying the fact that as agents we've been flexing our muscles a bit and getting better at our craft and getting more creative and being a listing agent and seeing some of the crazy that we're getting as well you're like wow 10 offers i just have 170k over asking it's like, okay, like, wow, people are doing this. They're waving that. And our job is never to tell an agent, a client what to do. It's just to give them that menu of all their different options. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't, if someone's paying 50K over asking and they didn't know they could waive repairs, again, whether they were waive repairs or not is up to them, but just knowing that maybe for the right house, they would do that and giving them those options. So it's been, been really fun for me. How you you've been around longer than than myself and even Tucker in the real estate side of things. Um, not as long as Joe, but 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 we'll we'll, we'll leave it there. Hey, um, <laughs> I'm curious, how do you compare today? I mean, and just right now, August of 2020, the craziness. I'll use Tucker's word, the bananas of the market we're in. How do you compare to like even 15 or 16? Well, I mean, I actually, I'm kind of answering a different question. I got in in 04 and, and we were in the boom of 05 and 07. And I was lucky I got that one year under my belt before we were writing offers on the hood of our cars. That's how 05 to 07 was. Everything was multiple offers, crazy over asking, but smile stated income loans. Like if you had a smile, you can get an $800,000 loan. So what I love about today is we still have the bananas, but we also have amazing rates and strong, strong buyers with equity and cash. And so right now I, I've been telling our sellers, like you want two things, you want, you want the best offer, but you want the lowest risk. And we're looking at risk mitigation. We're looking at who's their lender. We're looking at talking to that lender. I asked the agent, how many offers did they write? I asked the agent, what does the buyer do? What industry are they in? Because the last thing we need is, is uh, an amazing situation and then it, have it fall apart on something. We can't predict it all, but mm -hmm. we do want to understand our odds. So I feel like today, I mean, where I feel the bananas isn't ending is, you know, we have very little inventory, as we know, at least single family residents, 1.5 months in June, the lowest in the three years we've been tracking. And then, I mean, to get 2.7 and 
five or two point six eight as a thirty year fixed. I mean, I thought three and a quarter was low in mm -hmm. my seventeen years of doing this, mm -hmm. and to see people that are be able to buy investments and rent cash flow positive with a sub three percent rate is mind boggling to me, and mm -hmm. that sort of those two hurricanes happening at the same time, the low rates and the no inventory has me feeling like the bananas isn't going to end anytime soon. I do think everything ends. I don't know if this is a Duraflame or if it's a long, long burn. Like we don't know until we know, but we did definitely have to make sure that we are taking advantage of it. And when I say taking advantage, it doesn't mean how do I make the most money? It's how can I help the most people? Like who are the people that need our help? And the other thing I'm loving about now is you know what, step aside if you're not qualified, step aside if you're not serious and step aside if this market's not for you. These people that are like, well, there's six offers, it's 400, I'm thinking of offering 390, it's like, go away. Like there's other people <laughs> that need this house and you're just, you just don't have the constitution for this market. And we can, you know, mm -hmm. the market can punch you in the face a couple of times and give you a nosebleed, but if you're not gonna learn from that, like when I say yes to you, I'm saying no to my family and I'm saying no to real people that need my help. And so it's been really fun for me to be able to qualify because those are not the people that I want the referrals from either. They're just not getting it. And maybe there is going to be some opportunity with, you know, foreclosures or short sales or something down the road. But right this second, they're, you know, they're spending a lot of time fixated on what asking prices and not what market price is. Mm -hmm. you, know, you said something there. We, we've been doing it for years, but you're the first one that said it on the show of just qualifying offers and mitigating risk. Uh, it's, I mean, it's such an important part of this business. So I'm glad that you brought it up. But the other thing I wanted to mention is Steve, we have been in the business since Oh four or what? Oh yeah, three. Yeah. Right? We got so the market side. We've been 03. around for a not, little not, while, not on the real estate, side, but I remember selling houses. it was probably Oh five Sarita where, uh, we had a kind of, I worked at kind of a boiler room mortgage company that wrote a lot of those smile loans. Right. And we had a sales meeting on Monday morning and it was like rates hit five and a half percent today. Go sell. And we were like, Oh my God, money's just Fallen from the heavens at five and a half percent. Here we are at, you know, whatever, 2.875. Half, half that. Half yeah. that. Yeah. Which is yeah. It's crazy. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, Sarita, you are an amazing interview. And we're just getting yeah. warm. We're just warming yeah. up the, the engines here. You have more analogies in the first five minutes than I even have in an hour. And and people give me, uh, uh, say I have a lot of, so thank I you. I love uh, analogies. That's the, the, the better. I mean, you just had them all flying around. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> I was going to uh, I was going to touch on one thing um, that I've appreciated. I was talking to a, a builder that I work with, and you know he was kind of you know he was kind of talking about you know few, you know what does the future hold you know in the next couple of years and and po possible recessions and you know different different wild cards and kind of one thing I said is like that I appreciate is um, this isn't our recession. There are you know I remember looking back in '08. 09. And I remember being in the mortgage world and in real estate and, and we were just getting smashed by the tsunami. And I remember looking at other industries and I'm like, yeah, you know, they're getting a little drizzle over there, but, but they're not getting what we're getting. And it, I have to be honest, I, I feel like, I mean, and my heart goes out to those other industries who are feeling that tsunami because we've, we've experienced it and we can relate, but it is, it is refreshing for us having been through that, you know, not that long ago to, to, to be looking from that vantage point going, okay, we're, our industry is deemed the really important, you know, industry right now. That's actually the bright spot in the economy that is, you know, probably the thing that's going to churn and, and keep this thing moving. 
Um, and it's not just real estate sales, but it's every, all the ancillary components to it. It's the, the, it's the, the landscapers, it's the roofers, it's the Home Depot, the Lowe's, and all the things that people are doing to their houses to improve them and, and make them what they want to be um, spending a lot of time in for the near future. So it is, uh, it is interesting. There's never been more of a time that I can recall where the concept of home means so much to us, right? I mean, let's be honest, even relationships, right? If you're, you know, you're, we're used to being home three hours a night and then maybe weekends and then there's travel too, right? And now all of a sudden you're home 24 seven with your family and you realize that kitchen that you, you know, don't like, you know, and that you didn't cook in that much. Now it matters, that outdoor space, now it matters. Having a den with walls so we can all be on Zoom calls at the same time, those things matter. So I'm, I'm enjoying helping people from Arizona and California and other cities that are like, hey, we're, my sister's at Google. She's worked from home till July, 2021. Mm -hmm. So people like her could look at properties here in Portland. Likewise, I've got listings that, hey, we were gonna move to Spokane in two years to be near our parents, but now I can work from home. I can do this now. So people are really looking at how do they want to design their life? What does it look like? And second homes, vacation homes have been really important as well. So, I mean, I think everything is always a pendulum though. Like, I mean, we see it in New York. I have a lot of friends in New York City after 9-11. They all went, you know, to the Hamptons and, and different areas outside of the city. But people do come back in that um, in general, if you're a city mouse, you're a city mouse. If you're a country mouse, you're a country mouse. You don't necessarily change who you are, but you do kind of look at what people are doing and where you feel safe. And we're seeing a little bit of that right now in Portland. And you look at the days on the market with downtown condos compared to single family residences. You see people at this point excited about um, higher density living. And it, it doesn't help that we're in the, you know, not to be political in any way, but that we're in the news nationwide night after night um, with the story that's being told very different than I think what reality is for those of us that live here and experience it every day. Um, I mean, I have agents even in Lake Oswego that are saying, oh, there's a broker's open in, in Portland. I haven't been to Portland. Like, how is it? I'm like, come, I, I, I live in Portland. I love it. It's safe. I'm not going anywhere. And I think as agents, we need to do our job of making sure that we, you know, if we're going to spread any part of a story, we should make sure we see it firsthand with our own eyes. Mm -hmm. so look, tell us about that. You, you right now, everyone can see your background. You're in a condo in the Pearl or a townhouse in the Pearl. Yes, the in, in one of the yeah. Pearl Brownstones, uh, the yeah. townhomes on 11th and Hoyt. Yep. I love it. Tell us about it. How long have you been there? Tell us about your listing next door. Um, yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> and we, your experiences. I think we kind of downsized in advance. We uh, these these this particular row of, of brownstones. They're 1908. They used to be a railroad depot, and they don't come on the market that often. And so when my husband and I, you know, true true story, we weren't looking for property. We were at Piazza Italia, one of our favorite Italian places. There was a 45 minute wait. We were walking around the block. And we saw this and they just don't come up that often. And we thought, you know, maybe we should grab this as sort of a downsize in advance. We can maybe even rent it because we had, we were living right near Jesuit. Our kids went to Jesuit. Joe knows that our daughters played lacrosse together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't live right near high school and then downsize when you've got kids that are like 15 and 17. But it was funny. We had a little family meeting and the kids actually wanted it too. And my daughter really, she got my husband. She said, daddy, you know, if you, if you do it later, it'll be your house. But if you do it now, it'll be our house. And that, that's kind of what got him. So next thing you know, we bought late 2015 
and we moved in and we absolutely love it. Our walk score is like a 98. I think the Japanese, one of my, my husband's coworkers is from Asia. She happens to be from Japan. And she said they have a saying that um, if you have like a sunny side egg, we're like the yolk in terms of walkability, right? We're kind of in the center of town and we just sort of love the fact that we can get to anywhere in the Pearl from where we live. And so we've loved it. Um, we, How many square feet is it? It's 2,800 square feet, three is bedrooms, two, levels? two and two a half levels? bath with two car garage and a rooftop deck. You have, and you have a rooftop deck, no yard, but a rooftop deck. No yard, deck. no yard, yeah. but a rooftop deck. So it's kind of, I look at it as, although it's an attached row house, it feels mm-hmm. like a little mini house in the Pearl. I'm not mm-hmm. going up an elevator to the 30th floor. It's, you know, my own kind of, uh, and, and let's be real, 2,800 square feet for two people or even four is not that much of a downsize. It's pretty comfortable living. Yeah, that's high a great yeah. So, But we didn't expect, quite frankly, that both college kids would be home <laughs> all summer and maybe this fall right. as well. So things change, right? But we love it uh, so much so that I just did list the one right next door. It's a beautiful unit, same general It was remodeled to the studs by the previous seller. It's at 2.05 million. And when you compare it to other flats and buildings, you know, you're seeing stuff at one eight, one nine for 1800 square feet in a, in a high rise. So it's very comparable for the square footage you get. And the fact that it is kind of a home downtown, which and is more so, COVID friendly probably right now. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it just depends on, you know, how, I mean, you see people, at least in the pro, I love sitting on a front porch and just watching the action. I mean, people have their masks, they're walking their dogs, everybody's out and about. It is a fun place to live. Uh, the protests are happening. They're not happening here. They're on the other side of Burnside and it's pretty uh, clear. If you look at it, a map, it's literally a dot of a couple of blocks where it's happening. Um, again, again, without making any statements of pro or anti-protest, it would just be great if if people could see it for themselves. It really isn't as bad as some of the things that we're here. I, I don't know about you guys. I'm getting texts from friends from Virginia, right? In Maryland, Michigan, where I'm from, saying what's going on, right? Well, they're watching the national news. It's usually delayed and it's usually a snippet of what's what's really happening. So to that, and I'm also, uh, downtown's near and dear to my heart and for another reason. Uh, the Ritz-Carlton is coming to town. It will be here Q1 2023. And it is our first hotel, condo, basically branded residence. It's gonna be the Ritz-Carlton residences, 35 stories high. We'll be um, at the block, uh, the con- you know, the, basically the congruence of um, 9th and 10th, Washington and Alder. It used to be a big parking lot and now it's a hole in the ground where our parking garage is. 35 stories up, it's actually a trifecta building. It's office, hotel, and 15 stories of residential branded Ritz condos. Portland's am, first five-star hotel, by the way, Portland's which first is huge. Yeah, I it mean, we huge. have nice hotels, but to, to go from four-star to five-star, we have, we've never experienced that. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to put, honestly, put Portland on the map. I mean, it's not on the map for many uh, great reasons, but you know, when I think of a five-star hotel, I, I think of, this is just me being maybe a spa junkie, but I love like the Allison Inn in Newburgh, right? You've got gourmet dining, you've got over-the-top service, you've got a beautiful pool and spa. And so we have these great boutique four-star hotels that are wonderful, but they don't have the pool, the spa, the over-the-top sort of dining and service that, that a five-star brings. And I know this from even MIT, I'm, I have 125 classmates that are all VPs, CEOs, directors of their companies or their startups from all over the world. They're from all over the country, but also literally, I'm coming from Portland, they're coming from Kenya, Amsterdam, Spain, everywhere. And 
Um, they tell me that when they do a swing to the Pacific Northwest, they'll do Portland in a day, then they'll go up to Seattle for Tuesday night, they'll spend Wednesday in meetings in Seattle, they'll spend Wednesday night in Seattle, then they'll fly out. Portland's sort of a pass through. And it's not, you know, yes, I get it. We're Seattle's smaller, big, you know, smaller, you know, sister or brother, however you want to look at, or cousin. But the truth is, um, there hasn't been that sort of gravitas that comes with an anchor that's a five star that's going to change the landscape of downtown and make it more of a destination. So we're selling condos, but we're also selling this experience, the owner's lounge, the amenities. It's I know that I'm talking to local folks that may not have considered downtown from their downsize from Dunthorpe or Forest Heights or Lake Oswego or the West Hills, but are now thinking, wow, uh, especially for the lock and leave components and, and the fact that they have kids here still and that they may have a tie to Portland. They may have a, a summer house. They may have a, they may have something down in Palm Springs or in Arizona, but they have this ability to have a place and then experience, be part of this experience that they're buying into. So we're taking reservations now. It's a great time for just engage with me and just learn more about our pricing and where we're at. Um, so I don't need to push all of What's that. What's the here. breakdown of the building, Sarita? You said it's it's commercial, it's hotel, and it's um, residential. Is it about thirds each? Is it half Yeah, it's hotel? five stories of office. It's 11 stories of um, a 251-room Ritz-Carlton. And then we have the very top 15 floors for condos. Wow. And then the other floors are common amenities like So the condos ballet, are over the, the condos room. are over 50% of the building. Yeah. So 15, yeah. So it's 15 floors. It's the top two floors are penthouses. There's four units on each of those two top floors. And then the other 13 floors, which is floors 21 through 33, um, have 10 units each, five, one beds, four, two beds, one, three bed. So, and they have either East or Western views, the way the building's um, mm -hmm. situated and we're getting interest from both. You can get Mount Hood in the river, but you also can get beautiful sunset West Hills views. Here's the thing guys, 21st floor is the lowest floor we have is still higher than many penthouses in say the Pearl right now. So mm -hmm. there's not a bad view here. Mm -hmm. And so whether someone wants to get in on a lower floor for a, uh, a occasional use type of a unit that they may not live in full time, um, or if they want a higher view, higher up. I mean, all of the views from 21 through 33 are pretty spectacular. And whether they live here or maybe it's a compliment because they live out of area, or maybe they live here, but they're just never home because when travel does resume, they're going to be back out there. Um, they're, you know, the, the Ritz-Carlton brand promise, the number of staff that we have and what they're going to be going through with regards to the training for that. I mean, we've all read the, you know, the books, right, of the Ritz-Carlton, you know, stuffed animal that... that got lost and and you know and and what the staff did with pictures to make that that uh the little kid who lost the stuffed animal feel like you know he was very connected to the brand right? and that that brand th those stories are what make people stay at ritz carlton's around the mm -hmm. world in fact most of our buyers they're buying sight unseen essentially on a promise because they know what the brand represents so it's really exciting for me like i went back to school thinking i'm not going to change my career and here you are you end up doing something completely different and 
you know, by definition, you just keep changing. So I have an office on site and um, I'll be staffing uh, over, you know, with COVID, we delayed a little bit on, on our on-site staffing. But by the end of the year, our gallery will be built out. We'll have our sales team in place there. And we're, you know, again, we're hopeful, quite frankly, that 2023 puts us on the other side of a pandemic and a vaccine and and a lot of what's going on downtown. I think that things are, are you know, it's still a long enough away that, uh, we're hopeful that we'll, um, you know, we don't necessarily have to react to the times of the moment right this second. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And we're still, despite mm -hmm. it, it's funny, I still get calls saying, you know, was, this was on my list. And now that I'm not traveling, I have time to explore. Tell me about it. Send me some floor plans. Let's talk about pricing. So I still do, you know, still do get quite a few inquiries and interest on what's going on. And I invite all the agents who are interested to reach out to me. And then at some point we'll be doing um, sales meeting visits as well as, uh, some broker receptions to make sure that we get the, the word out. We're very broker friendly. We want to pay everybody uh, handsomely for bringing buyers and we're paying 2.5 on every unit, including the penthouses, which are six and 7 million each. So we're, we, you know, this is all of ours to, to go sell and, and work together to put Portland on the map. I'm really excited to share it. Awesome. So I got a question for you yeah, real cool. quick. Did, uh, did like you sit next to the CEO of Ritz Carlton at one of your MIT classes and that's how you hooked this whale or how did that, how did that happen? Cause I'm sure everybody's wondering how, how no, you managed you know, to get in front of this opportunity. I can't even tell you exactly what it was. I think it was, I mean, meaning there's no secret here. It's a combination of things. I think my name kept pop popping up and, and then I am, I interviewed for the job just like anyone else would. And I interviewed in a way where, you know, you don't have anything to lose. And you go in uh, being prepared. I did quite a bit of homework on who our demographic is, who our buyer is, and what they drive, what they wear, how they live. And 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 while I haven't sold Ritz-Carlton in Portland before, I do know buyers and I know all the buildings here because I've put buyers there. I'm a real strong buyer's agent and I love buyers. Contrary to what every book says, listings are very important, don't get me wrong. But I love the buy the control element with working with buyers, and because of being a strong buyers agent for so many years, I know the different buildings in town. I I can get probably anyone into any unit based on past clients and you know connections that I have with regards to oh yeah I know that building so and so lives there let me give them a call, and so I really just did my homework and prepared what I thought would be uh, what they're looking for, and luckily that worked out. That was one of my questions. And so just, just to, to, to round off that question, did somebody reach out to you and go, Hey, here, we're interviewing for some risk crawl or did you see something somewhere? No, they, they reached out to me. They reached out to you. Got it. Got it. Um, Sarita, how many units total are there? 138. 138. Okay. And by the way, I lived on the 22nd floor of the coin tower for a little over three years. So I can totally relate. Um, I loved that lifestyle. I loved the views. I had Mount hood to to the east i had the tram and ohsu and and south waterfront buildings to to the south so i totally totally dig it and get it um couple other questions what's the affiliation between the condos and ritz carlton do they own the condos no, or ritz, Carl it ritz carlton's like we just like when you go to mcdonald's i hate to use mcdonald's as an analogy because it's definitely not mcdonald's you have the same experience at every mcdonald's even though mcdonald's doesn't own the restaurant Ritz-Carlton is, it's a franchise model. The developer 
builds a hotel and they have very strict, very specific guidelines for multi-decades on using that name and what it means and the Ritz-Carlton folks, which is owned by Marriott, that team is very, very involved with regards to what we're doing and how we're doing it. It's very specific. So it is a Ritz-Carlton name and it is owned and controlled by the developer following all the, the marketing and licensing agreements that we have. Got it. Interesting. Okay. Okay. And um, the the other question I was going to ask you, what is the starting point? What's the, the least expensive units? A hair, so the, our lowest one level bedroom, one, one, the lowest one bedroom on the lowest level is a hair under 1.7 million. And the three beds are about 3.4 million. And then the penthouses are six and seven million. And correct me if I'm wrong, and this is probably the only property in Portland, I believe that has this, but it's, it's kind of my lifetime dream. I've always dreamed of living somewhere where it felt like you lived in a hotel. You can get room service to your, to you your, you can get room service. You can get spa services. You can have them water your Dry plants. Yeah. They know about stuff that before you even know it, they, they're on it. So you yeah. the, the, the service is off the hook. Yeah. That's, that to me is just, is. I mean, as much as you want it to be, right? If you don't want yeah. to use room service, yeah. don't use room service. But if you want that sort of, that known thing where you want to charge it to your room and, and take advantage of the synergies between the hotel and the, and the uh, owners, owners uh, residences, yeah, the, that synergy is there. We're also going to have a state-of-the-art fitness and a pool and the spa. We're not going to have a separate pool for the residences versus the guests. The idea is, in fact, I heard this loud and clear from people that live up in Seattle in some of these hotel branded condos. You can't have an amazing space and then have like, I mean, no offense to any building. I'm not being specific. I'm being generic here, but you can't have two treadmills in a closet and call that the fitness, right? Like when people are here and they're not here often, sure, they might belong to the Mac or another, um, health club or golf club or whatnot. And we're never going to be as big as those facilities. But the truth is, if you don't want to have to go to your gym, you should be able to get the type of equipment and experience that you want at home. And so that's our goal. So the, um, the fitness space is going to be huge and have Olympic from the Tokyo Olympics, uh, the Olympic quality equipment that people are going to want, as opposed to, I have to go somewhere else because you know, the two treadmills are in use and they're, you know, 10 years old. Mm -hmm. um, so we're just excited about listening. And uh, that's one thing Ritz Carlton does really well. Like they picked Portland, they did their homework as well on, you would think why Portland, why not uh, Seattle or San Francisco or, or sorry, not San Francisco, Vancouver, BC, like we're the first Ritz in the Pacific Northwest. And they do that. They did their homework. They looked at the demographics. They looked at what's missing and they saw a, a huge opportunity here. So, and from, we did a groundbreak, a ceremonial groundbreak, July, um, July, uh, 2019, you know, the golden shovels that you, you know, move dirt and sort of announced the building. And many of the execs that were from there, said that from first meeting to groundbreak, it was faster than any project that they've been working on. And partly that is to the testament of the team. The developer is amazing. This is not their first rodeo. The architect, the contractors, they've all worked together. I'm the newest member of the team in the sense that the other projects they've done had an office and hotel component, but not a residential component. But the team is literally the A team and they've they've done, they did Pearl West, uh, they did Broadway Tower where there's a Radisson and these buildings, I mean, the developer, Walt Bowen, he zigs when others zags and he's been really almost prophetic in 
his ability to sort of call the market and go where some people may have scratched, scratched their heads and, and you find his buildings just setting records in terms of quality and rates uh, uh, as well as sale prices. Mm-hmm. So it's just been a, an honor to be part of this team. That's awesome. And I agree with you on your timelines. I mean, I would be scared for you if, if the building was done today and you were releasing it. But by 2023, I think we can all agree that, that a lot of hopefully, I mean, the, the COVID, I mean, I think every, any scientist will tell you this should be behind us to, for the most part, or a vaccine should be out. And, um, and, and a sense of normalcy should be, have returned as, with travel and, you know, a lot of what we're seeing. Um, so, I also was say that there's a lot of action right now in in the luxury space. I've got a client looking for waterfront and we've looked at everything on the lake or river and like as we go in West Lynn up to like three and a half million and like things. She, she looks like she's back. back. I'm curious, back. Tucker, okay. Joe, have I'm you back. guys ever back. stayed in a Ritz Carlton? Um, I am not. Uh, no. I don't, <laughs> no, I don't uh if I have, it's only been like once and it was a long time ago. Palm Desert. I stayed in the Ritz-Carlton in Palm Desert. It was awesome. It's, it's right on top of a bluff up there. <clears throat> Just the amenities and how they, how they cater to you and the, the research they do to make sure they, they satisfy your needs is just second to none. Yeah. It's, hey, you, were Sarita, saying, yeah you, were, you were frozen. I was frozen. Did, could you hear us? What we were yeah, I, I heard you ripping on me, but you did tell me I was a good freezer. So <laughs> thank you for that. I just yeah. wanted you to be part of that. Yeah. I think what I was just saying is the million has been super, like everything's going pending. I just saw a beautiful $7 million penthouse last night uh, in the Casey, uh, Patrick Clark's listing. Um, we saw, you know, the CEO of Nike buy 7 million in the Cosmopolitan. Yeah, that was interesting. You know, yeah. this price point, like some of these people that are scratching their heads on some of our prices, like at the end of the day, like it's amazing to me um, how much movement there is at 2 million and up, uh, you know, in the metro area. So it's, and it's only going to get, you know, as we get through this, it's only going to get better, I think. So I'm, I'm still pretty bullish when I see the activity that I'm seeing. You know what? Beyond- Real quick to just second that, we had um, a first this week, which I would have never thought would have happened this week, but we had a gentleman fly up here with his family in his private jet and offer us an absurd amount of money for one of our projects that hasn't even started yet that's on water um, or at least looks over water. So you're right. There's a lot of, uh, oh, I'd, say absurd. I'd say market price of what we think that it's worth, but it's hard to sell stuff when it's undone as everybody knows, right? Absolutely. Um, so for Are that- Are you doing a custom, Tucker? Are you actually doing a custom? Uh, I don't know. I'm noodling on it. But the fact that somebody's willing to pay it undone is a testament to where the markets come back to so quickly, right? And especially in a, in a high price point for Portland, um, I would have never, you'd asked me two months ago, I would have been like, <laughs> not a chance that somebody's going to buy something, even in that price point, right? Let alone undone. But here we are. And it looks like Sarita's seeing it as well um, yeah. in her part of town. I'm feeling it. I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm definitely feeling a lot more activity than I expected at times. Like the, oh, uh, gosh. Yeah. But be honest, Sarita, are you seeing any flight to the suburbs? I mean, there, you have to have there because you, I, you, I didn't realize until this show that you live downtown. I, clearly you do a lot of business downtown. Are you experiencing the people that are saying, okay, due to COVID, due to the restrictions, I want a yard. No, I, I personally, I'm being honest. I haven't seen that. I've seen people, we have a beach house in Manzanita and I'll be honest, we're using it way more now 
than we did before. Not because we want to escape downtown. It's because we can't get on a plane to go places, but we can jump in our car and just get a change of scenery from where we live. And so we're using it much more than we did before because we, you know, we'd have weekends in in Boston or we'd be meeting up with family in different cities and states. And now like all of that plane travel has been replaced with car travel, which Mm -hmm. is why you see Airbnbs, like, like people honestly going to the coast or going to Sun River or going to Bend and they're realizing like everything's sold out. So I'm seeing a little bit of that. And I'm also seeing some demand for second homes Mm -hmm. in resort areas that people that may not have bought before, but are want a change. And these are even suburban people that want just a, a compliment to what they have. But, and then, like I said, I've seen some people that are escaping, but they're escaping because they can, like their two year plan got compressed. Now they can, they can go move. Did I freeze again? Nope. Nope. You're good. They can go move. And then if they have to get an apartment here or come here for the one week, uh, a month that they have meetings on campus. So these, a little bit of their, their retirement or, horizon of what their two or three year plan or five year plan is able to be pulled in a bit because they just, everybody's working from home. I'm seeing that, um, that, you know, that's me. I will tell you, I mean, there are some people that are selling and you don't really know why they're selling and you do see higher days on market, but you know, most of the stuff that I see, it's usually a family change, right? They're expecting, you know, they're expanding their family or, you know, they, they came in single, then they got married. Now they're having a kid and, and they're thinking more about schools and caregiving than they are necessarily because they want to leave downtown. Talk about the higher days on market because I'm I'm not in that that market like you are. Most of my business is Southwest. Um, are the Pearl condos sitting longer than they did a year? I'm ago? definitely seeing that. I did a I just pulled some stats up not for this call but for a client and you know I looked at you know how many new new listings came on in the last two months, how many went pending, and how many went sold in in the zip code, and it was like 70 actives. I'm doing this from memory, 19 or so pending, 24 sold. So the absorption lit rate is pretty low and still, you know, obviously the, you know, sellers have to always remember, this is what we learned in, in 15, 16, and in 05 to 07, you got to be priced well, but you got to look the best too. Even if it's multiple offers, there, there's got to be value. You can't just like not do stuff, slap a price tag and then assume because things are multiple offers, it's going to go in two seconds. And so with condos, when there's so many choices, it's still every building has its own personality and um, you know, may not just have the right feel for what a client's looking at, whether it's traditional or modern or what have you. But we are seeing, but I will say this, even prior to this, I felt like we just, we had longer days on the market for condos. There's just a lot of options, right? And more and more coming. So- um, Are you seeing a softening of prices? I, you know, I haven't looked at it that closely. I mean, there are always motivated sellers that are just going to make a deal, but I've actually felt like from a comp standpoint, standpoint, and at least personally, people are holding their ground on price. They're just getting fewer showings and the sellers are understand the dynamics and expectations. Like this is the kind of market, uh, this is the kind of unit that if we don't have an offer by Monday, something's wrong with us. Um, obviously price cures all. But when you when you have a lot of options, even if you underprice, you can't assume that that that's going to drive something, especially if it's a specific type of unit, like a workload unit or something like that, that just has a sort of narrow market, I think. So I'm not speak with data. So I'm just kind of giving you more anecdotally. I'd love to mm-hmm. invite people to chat or even counter some of my opinions with facts, because I would love to 
you know, have a, a brighter story there. I just think right this second, we just are seeing a much higher, uh, it's, 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 it's such a disparity because we can't breathe and our hair's on fire. I'm, my message to sellers is I don't care if you're ready, get ready. Like the, the longer, right now there's a hole in the, there's nothing on. So we got to get on and take advantage of this hole in your particular size or area. Uh -oh, I might be freezing again. Um, um, so, okay, good. So, um, but quite a bit active, then, you know, you're not as motivated to rush and be another one. And so it's just setting expectations with, Hey, if you want to sell, this is what, what we're looking at. And if you don't need to sell, let's just wait potentially mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. always market driven. Yeah. Cause you, I mean, and, and it makes sense that the, you know, when you look, I actually had a condo in the Pearl, by the way, in 06, 07, I just rented one. It was kind of a crash pad. And it was a relatively small one, but I was okay with it because when you're in the pearl, I mean, you're, you're buying the lifestyle. Your, 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 your condo really isn't, it's where you spend a, a portion of your time, but you're, you're buying into the restaurants nearby. That's really your living room, right? Is the yeah. restaurants, the shops, the, 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 uh, the bars. And um, so it makes sense at a time when that, those businesses are challenged, they're closing down, people are being leery about, you know, being in them and, and, it does make sense that that has to have some repercussions on, on the real estate that, that so importantly feeds off that. Right. Well, I also think, I mean, and this is maybe super simplistic, but like I've always been a city person. Like my husband and I even talked about when the kids are gone, maybe someday we'd live in New York like that we're, we're kind of nutty that way. I'm from Michigan and we moved from Boston and we like cities and why do people live in cities? Right. They're, sure. There's a little more crime, homelessness. So have, food, you have drink, you have music, you have culture, you have theater, you have all these great things. And there's a balance, balancing act. Well, enter COVID and all those great things are compromised right now. Like, like we all know, I mean, I know my kid's birthday is June 11th. I mean, that's the day Cape Brown rolled back. Multnomah County even opening up for dying after, you know, they were going to open on the 12th and we kind of rolled it back. So things are just, food even. You've got the outdoor patios, but you're still very limited seating. It's not back yet, right? So so we're getting this uh, negative attention of uh, some of the things that are going on, but not the positive benefits of living downtown. But I know this too shall pass because things are going to come back, right? I mean, I don't know about you guys. I miss concerts. I miss movies even. Like you can only Netflix so much, right? Like I miss doing things with other people. I miss happy and you know you just can't do it it's right? karaoke yes <laughs> so like so like so the simplistic part is like the good stuff is on pause we're sort of accenting the bad stuff and this too is going to get better we just got to get through this once in a lifetime hopefully time period that is just nutty and, and we just don't know how it's the, the uncertainty is what's killing people right like even back to school like they've mm -hmm. had quite a bit of time to figure this thing out but it keeps changing the rules keep changing and so the answer is we don't know this is what we know now and it may change and there's a lot of people with with every situation young kids older kids their teachers now of their kids or they're trying to figure out how to do work and and be home and do all these things and it's like there are no answers so we just have to kind of 
get through this and just really focus on being positive. I would love our industry to continue to band together. And at least on the Portland piece, like come check it out, go to brokers opens of your colleagues, support them, make them come out to your lakefront opens. If you're in Lake Oswego or Beaverton or acreage opens, if you're out in Hillsboro or wherever you are, I think we have to do a, a, a better job of like taking off our blinders and, and really supporting our industry. I know we can't breathe and we, and we don't have time, but this is a great time to kind of respect each other and help each other. And I mean, all those calls we get for people because like they can tell you something that you may be missing and you know, we just have to get creative together. Mm -hmm. I do agree with you, Sarita. Um, this will pass, you know, um, I'm going to tell you a story real quick, um, about what I did last weekend. Um, I, I, like I said, I lived in downtown Portland for several years, just blocks away from where, where a lot of the craziness was happening. And then I early last year moved out to Lake Oswego. And I, I've honestly been a little grateful that I, I did make that move when I did because COVID would have definitely, and, and some of the current stuff happening with the writing would have definitely been at my front doorstep and really impacted my lifestyle, including having a backyard and being able to get outside. We have a swimming pool. Um, that said, I, my, my wife and I went downtown last, last weekend, not downtown. We actually went to North Portland. We both had two appointments. We were going to take separate cars, meet, meet up. We were going to have lunch and then kind of split off and both go do our things. I had a listing appointment. We went to a place. It's one of our favorites. We went to Breakside Brewery right off Deacom Avenue. I think that's called Woodlawn there. Um, and as we rolled up to it, um, we noticed everything was really quiet around it. And, and I, I, I actually called her. I said, is it even open? And so we got, we parked our cars, walked up to Breakside Brewery and sure enough, we see it's closed and there's a sign in the window that says due to re recent events in the neighborhood, um, tragic events in the neighborhood, we will be closed at least through the weekend. So I'm like, well, what's this about? And then I turn around and there's this memorial like across the street. And um, I kind of walked over there and it was kind of eerie looking, but there was balloons and, and everything. And one of the signs said, you know, somebody was tragically murdered here, et cetera, et cetera. And so we ended up going to the Alberta Arts District. We said, okay, let's, let's go somewhere else and find something else. We went there and I, I kind of Googled it and there had been a shooting and it happened at 7.30 o'clock on a Wednesday. Now, Breakside Brewery has outdoor patios. And so... I was kind of envisioning there was people sitting there as somebody was murdered across the street, which is horrific. And, and so I'm going to move on from that part portion of my story and I'm going to go. To, so we go to the Alberta arts district and we kind of just park and, and this is a fun part of Portland, but it looked different. And I'm, and I'm not saying this because I don't love Portland, but I'm, I'm just being real here. There was graffiti everywhere. There was a lot of boards and windows um, and it was quiet. It, was, it wasn't the, the thriving district that I remember in years past. And, it, and we found a really great place and I had the best Mexican food of any place you know, around. And we had done a little bit of research. And, but I, I just, there was a part of me that felt sad for Portland. And I've seen other people, there's a couple other posts I've seen recently of people saying <clears throat> that there are parts of Portland that are being impacted and they just look different and they look a little, a little bit disheveled to, uh, to say the least now one thing i was think i was kind of doing some soul searching i'm like is this the is this the demise of portland but i was like no it reminds me here's what it reminds me of it reminds me of 1996 the floods do you guys remember that horrific year i mean i, I don't know if you were around sarita but but you guys were and i remember watching as the river was rising and people were boarding up you know the downtown area which sounds crazy today but that was a reality they thought
the river was going to flood downtown. So they were like literally at the waterfront putting up boards so that they could keep as much of it out. And it, and, and I guess where I'm going with this is that did pass. And it's an interesting story now in our history. And so my hope is that this will pass there. Hopefully there'll be some great changes that come out of it, but we, it will be an interesting, you know, part of our story of, of the history of Portland. And we'll, we, there'll be a whole new segment of people that are, are, are newbies to the city and they won't even remember or think this happened and the city will be back. But it is sad that we're going through it no differently than the, when they were boarding up the downtown and thought it was going to flood. That was scary and, and it wasn't a fun time, but it did, you know, we survived it. And uh, that is my hope in this, in this process that, that we do, while we understand it and see it, we can also try to have some perspective that bad things do happen and they do pass. My, my they hope happen is, everywhere. My hope is that we can say the end, like in an hour or two of all of this stuff. I don't want it to go another 70 days. I would really love to put this behind us. We're, it's not behind us yet. We're still doing it. And I'd really love to close the book on this and start a new chapter of just rebuilding Portland, rekindling uh, more listings to the market, all the things that we love about it. I'm kind of, I'm over it. And this is a part of our history, but we're still living it. I, I want it to be history and not the present. I, I agree. And supporting, agree. supporting those business owners, right? Supporting, uh, it'll, it'll be great when people feel comfortable again to, and, and there's no right answer on, on where everyone stands on everything. And everybody absolutely has the right to think and do what they like. Um, it'll just be great when we come out and, and, you know, rebuild and support because that's, that's what's sorely needed is, is to, uh, you know, I look at all the things that we can all be doing, not only downtown, but for this, for our whole area. And it's just, and there's just so many layers of this that are on top of each other, a pandemic, a huge movement that's uh, been a long time coming. And, and then a lot of destruction that, you know, that just put, put everything on top of everything. And it's just really hard to sort through it and, and find the answers. But I know that, that this will pass. Yeah. There, yeah. That was another thing. A lot of those businesses weren't even open, um, which kind of gave it that an, another uh, part of that. A little bit of eeriness, feel. right? Yeah. Feels Almost a little like bit a like this morning. Yeah. yeah that it, it's the whole place is shut down. Yeah, yeah. I heard my, um, one of my favorite restaurants from my old office that you love so much, Steve, um, the Corbett fish house, uh, closed yeah. up for good. Uh, I heard so no more, uh, no more fish house food. Uh huh. Yeah. But there's a lot of businesses like that. I mean, it's, there's still a number around here in Lake Oswego that haven't opened back up yet. And I keep wondering like, okay, well, it's not really a good sign. Right. Um, because there's, there are a lot of businesses that are open and I'm just wondering if, if they are, or if they're working something out with their landlord, or if they're just out of capital and, and out of runway, I don't know. So, but I'm with you, Joe. I want to put an end to this too. I, I look forward to the day that I can sit down with friends that are both Democrat and Republican and have a beer and hang out and just be friendly. You know, um, I, I feel like that day needs to come because that's where we're going to get the positivity again. That's where we're going to put Portland back together. And that's where things are going to resume, you know, and I think it can resume in a positive direction. I think people can agree to disagree, but still move things in a positive direction. Um, and I, I feel like we got to get there too, Joe. And I think it's about time and uh, it'll help all of us really. And it'll help Portland. And 
you know, it'll help your project that you've got coming up, Sarita, as well. Because um, I'm sure they're very keen and aware of what's going on as well. And, you know, it's sad because we've all been here. You know, we've grown up here. We've been here. And um, I wanted to get back to a great city. That's why I live here, right? That's why Steve lives here. That's why Joe lives here. Yeah, so and, I'm hopeful. And there are people abandoning us, you know, leaving the area. And um, that's not the answer. I mean, you don't leave no. home just because you know, it goes through a, a, a you know, a, a weather period, a season. Um, so you, what you do, what you do is you dig in and you help your home. You don't abandon it. <clears throat> so yeah, that's the hope, but yeah. so moving forward, I guess you're no longer at MIT, uh, or you're yep. done with your, your degree. I mean, how do you, yep. how do you finish off this year? Are you just going strong real estate wise then? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've always used sort of that guide of like, you know, who needs my help? How can we help? Right. So really been busy placing buyer clients, getting, getting sellers sold and, um, and then really touching base with, I have a small team, but my team and, and my past clients, my sphere, just like, how are you? How can we help you? Um, I think there's a lot of times we say we're relational, but like, let's be honest, we're transactional. I mean, I remember a couple of times where I um, like ran into a client and I was almost embarrassed running into her at the store because I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to think we overpaid for her. Jeez, oh, okay. Finish your story. Okay. I was just saying, okay, I ran into a client after paying top dollar for her house and I was thinking this was a few years later, like she couldn't sell if she wanted to because the prices had gone down after 06. And I, then I fessed up, I'm like, oh, yeah. I, ran into you and I was a little bit nervous. I know, you know, you must be wondering, you know, like what we paid and where the market is now. She goes, Sarita, what are you talking about? We thank, we actually thank you every day because sure we paid top dollar, but we wouldn't have been able to sell it uh, without remodeling the whole thing. And we were able to get it sold in that market too. And we're just grateful. And then that's when you realize like our lens on how we see things is very different than how others see things. And we can't assume that that's how they're going to think. We really just have to be a resource for them and check in with them and see if they ever need help. And so, and when I say help, it's not, Oh, do you need to buy or sell real estate? It's, I have the best painter. I've come across him. He's been amazing. He's better than the last person I gave you because I've used him personally on my home and he's an amazing Colin. And so just, having resources like that and being sort of for me, I feel like I'm the Angie's list or Sarita's list for my clients and just, you know, connecting with them and understanding what their goals are. If they want to refi, great, let's refi. And then we know they're going to stay put for a while. If they don't want to refi because they're thinking of selling, let's understand their plan and make sure we talk, we talk to them at the right time. Uh, sometimes it's educating them on where they're going. Cause if they hate where they're at, some more. Right. And so do we know what, you know, what they want and how much that'll cost them and how possible it is. And then, then come up with the strategy. I have that conversation all the time. Do we buy first? Do we sell first? How do we sequence this? What are the pros and cons of, of each scenario? And then, you know, my job is to just help people make informed decisions. So, so I, I love what we do. I feel like we're in a place where we can just be a resource for our people. And I think now more than ever, we should be talking to our people and it doesn't have to be, I think one of the reasons uh, our salt and peppers, uh, our salt and pepper hairs uh, do pretty good in this market is like, we can't text everything in either. It's, it's like pick up the phone and just call the agent and just ask them like what it's going to take to make it a win and what's important to the seller. And I, I've gotten offers before they're like, they go to spam and the agent never called me once. 
And now I've got to bet that this agent's going to do their job when the appraisal doesn't come in or when the repairs are ridiculous or whatever. It's like, I need to know I can trust the other agent and that we've, we're on the same page and that there's good communication. So I think we just, it's back to the basics, but it's funny. It's hard to go back to the basics for if we haven't been great at practicing the basics. So this is continue to improve there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I awesome. bet you, uh, you're probably going to help a lot of people that have like not as grandiose penthouses in Portland, Dunthorpe, uh, homes, Council Crest homes. I mean, you're probably going to, I know you focus mainly on being a buyer's agent, but there's probably a fair amount of listings that are going to come out of the Ritz Carlton. Hey, sell my. 6,000 square foot Dunthorpe home or, or larger, and we want one of these places. So, yeah, uh, I absolutely, because I'm referral based, I definitely do. She was in tech before, right? She's a so. great interview. She's got, she, was, she is a great interview. She's I, got so much energy and it, we, like good energy, good energy. We, My gosh. We've had, um, we've had back to back really good weeks with two great interviews. I feel bad. We weren't able to get last week's show on masters here, but yeah, we've had some, yeah. some really great interviews. So, all right. Well, she's, it looks like she's MIA now. So yeah. maybe, up. Oh, she's back. We'll let her give a proper send off. We don't want to <laughs> leave her without send off. Yeah. It's so. horrible. I hate Xfinity. I do have the highest service. And so uh, here yeah. we are. Um, no, I was just going to say that uh, one negative of having uh, time is you don't know what your life is going to be in 2023. But one positive is you have time and you can think about you know, getting your household and making plans and whatever it is. So I think every positive is a negative and every negative is a positive and there's opportunity here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. I saw the worst technical interview ever in the history of mass. <laughs> I, I want to just um, say to you, I want to thank you, Sarita, for being on. You have some of the best energy of anyone we've ever interviewed on the show. It's so obvious why you're so successful because you're just like a little magnet. Like I can see where you just sit with a client that's interviewing people and they just soak you up and they're like, don't leave me, don't leave me, stay, stay. Will, you, will you work with me? Um, and you're, you're just so knowledgeable and passionate about what you do. We want to have you on again, definitely, definitely when your project, if not sooner, and we'd love to have you sooner, but when your project comes to fruition and we'd love to promote um, that big penthouse broker open that we know you're going to have. Yep. And we're going to come too, by the way. We'll make it a party. Maybe we'll do a yeah. show from the penthouse. That would be pretty yeah. cool. Um, there you go. We would love that. We would love that. So thank you. And thank I'll, you guys. any parting words for, for us, Sarita? And thank you for having me. It's an honor. I really appreciate your interest in, in what I've got going on. And I'm, I'm very committed as an industry to work with. I love masters in real estate. I love that we're all trying to just do our craft better and we all, we all work together. And what other industry can you win a listing against someone and then turn around and pay that person to bring a buyer and do it in a collaborative uh, way with respect and admiration. So thank you for having me. I'm sorry for all the technical glitches. Um, yeah, don't my MIT technical degree here <laughs> against me because I am definitely got to work on um, buttoning up the internet, but thanks again. I appreciate the opportunity and I look forward to more conversations. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks for watching. We'll be back next week. Sarita, thanks so much. You were a great interview. I hope, I hope your editing can make all of that, that look way better. <laughs> it's good in real life. We'll, awesome. we'll make it work. So, all right. Great. See you guys. Good show. See ya. Thank you.
Thanks again for listening to our show, and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.